hi guys welcome to today's episode on this episode it promises to be mind-blowing literally your mind will be blown away so sit tight and we'll be back once again it's another opportunity to let things off your chest if you remember very well in the last episode i said the next time you would be hearing my voice i would have guests and today i have guests not just one but more than one guest today we have three wonderful creatives with me who would be sharing with us on a project that they are currently working on I'll give the opportunity now for them to introduce themselves so we get to know them well. So please, ladies, let's introduce yourselves. Hello, my name is Brenda Walker. I am currently a student at Michigan State University, and I am the creator and producer of the project that we'll be talking about today. Thank you, Brenda. Who's going to go next? <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, I am Jessica Austin, and I am also a writer and producer on the uh, short film Naked. Hi, everyone. My name is... Oh, <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> oh, you can go on. You can go on. <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name is Sydney Morgan. I am a writer and brand designer on this project, as well as a producer and I am also the CEO of an amazing company called SMS. Check us out. All right. Thank you, ladies, for, for your time to be on this, on this podcast. Um, so Let It Up Your Chest basically is a podcast that talks about issues that young people can relate. And most of my listeners are creatives. And I'm hoping that from this episode, they would learn a thing or two. So... First question I have for you. Um, yeah, I know you're working on a movie, a short film titled Naked, and um, it's looking at four issues that are centered around the average black woman. So how did you come about creating this short film? Was it based on um, a personal experience that you had growing up or did you have to go and find out from different people? Let's know the, the process that went into the creating of this short film. So um, as everybody knows, 2020 was just a crazy year. <laughs> so when the pandemic hit and we were kind of deep into quarantine, yeah. I realized that, you know, you kind of have more time on your hands. And some people that scared them and some of was like, you know, what could I do with this time? And um, I was one of those people. I, I always knew that I wanted to write a story about. So I started kind of brainstorming. I had an idea to do a research project is what I called it. Um, I interviewed 50 black women from all different ages, like from 16 to 45. Wow. And um, the way that I gathered the women was I sent cold DMs, um, directly. <laughs> Is on Instagram. I posted it on Snapchat. I had uh, the people I interviewed ask, hey, do you know anybody that want to do this? Um, to get up to 50. And the interviews were essentially just conversations asking them about these four topics of 
colorism, codependency, body image, and competition. Um, the reason I chose those topics is because it's just, it kind of, it kind of came from something that I was constantly seeing within the Black women community, and I also rate, relate to um, all four topics myself. So during the interview process and talking to all these different women, realizing how much they relate to and how much it's made an impact on them, on their lives, proved to me that this is something that we don't normalize, discuss, and it's actually, there really are big issues. So um, long story short, um, I got in contact with Sydney and Jessica, and they loved um, the themes as well, and we created a narrative script based on those topics. Okay, well, it's 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 really nice because even during the point of quarantine, that was when I actually started this podcast because back then I had always wanted to, you know, do something that people would actually benefit from. I wanted to do something. I wanted to share stuff that I knew basically to people, to young people, because I'm a young person, obviously. So I wanted to, you know, share something that, okay, on the long run, people would always want to listen to. And the, the COVID-19, I would, I would say it, it didn't come at a better time than last year. You know, and like you rightly said, there were lots of time on the hands of a lot of people. And yeah, I started, you know, thinking, I started writing, I literally never write, but in that period, I said, write, you know, writing down random thoughts, and it grew to this point, and now we're here. So just a side question to what I just, I previously asked. Did the three of you know yourselves, like, prior to this project, or did this project bring three of you together? What? Yeah, that's a great I'm question. Sydney, <laughs> <laughs> you could take that one first. <laughs> that is a great question. Um, actually, I did not know either one of these ladies. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I they knew each other, but I did not know them. Um, actually, a mutual friend between Brenda and I, like my basically, I finished film school in August, and um, my friend, I told her about my vision for my company SMS, and we were just talking about like the visions that I kind of have for myself, and she was like, "Hey, I know someone you should connect with." connected me with Brenda. Brenda and I had a conversation over the phone. We hit it off. I'm like, girl, we're going to write forever. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then um, we got on the first writer's room call. There were originally actually four of us. Um, okay. And then, um, you know, through the process, like Jessica and I grew closer. Really, it wasn't even like within like probably like a meeting, you know, because of the stuff that we talked about. Like, it was so serious oh. that it was kind of hard to like not break the ice. You know what I mean? Like, we were talking yeah. about real life things that really impacted all of us on the same levels. You know what I mean? So it was just like, hey, like, here's my life. Get to know me, you know, in short. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and then yeah. also to write with a group of people. I think that you do have to have like some sort of like intimacy, um, like get to know, like, so, like have built a certain type of relationship so that you can communicate effectively, you know, or if like things aren't going right, or if you don't, you don't like something or something isn't working, you know what I mean? Like you can communicate that and it'd be effective um, and not come off rude or, you know what I mean? So like, I think that that type of relationship had to be built, especially for us to do an entire writer's room over Zoom. Like, you know what I mean? Like that right there was a challenge. 
Yeah, so, absolutely. So basic, okay, Jessica is saying something. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to add to that real quick. I think for all of us, uh, this project was the perfect storm. I think, mm -hmm. you know, the pandemic gave us all time, not just time to sit down and actually write this project, but time to really sit back and reflect um, on ourselves, our careers, our aspirations, and where we wanted to go, not just individually, but as a culture and as a people. Um, and I think during that time and space, we all, you know, we're seeking for some form of normalcy to get back to our normalcy. And so through that, we were able to connect. And with this project, because the topics are so impactful to us um, individually as Black women, um, I think those are, you know, all factors that just brought us even closer together on this project. And I definitely think it's something that our audience will see when this film premieres. Um, I think that one of the things that we did very well in this project is you can see our energy, you can see our connections with one another through our characters and how they show up on screen. Okay, so basically Jessica and Brenda knew each other, but then the, the relatability of the story was actually what brought that synergy and intimacy amongst the four of you, as you said. So, um, Naked is, for those of you who do not know, Naked is actually the title of the film. Mm -hmm. Naked is, a, is, is actually highlighting four trauma-inducing stigma, colorism, body image, competition, and codependency. So right now, I want us to like, take a few minutes to briefly discuss each term and how it causes trauma for an average black woman. Mm. Yeah. Where to start, Brenda? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I can start off with uh, colorism, because one, okay. one of the big reasons I chose that as one of the themes is because I feel like it's a big problem that people don't realize is a big problem, you know? Mm. And um, with me being darker skinned, of course, I've had colorism experiences, but the fact that people don't understand that it's hugely still relevant within the media is something that society hasn't addressed or necessarily fixed. And the reason why I love our tagline so much, like normalized conversation, is because we don't talk about it. We like, we kind of ignore it. And then with those interviews, like hearing like so many stories of uh, how they, of colorism and how it affected them. Like like I said, because I interview all ages, like uh, 16 yeah. to 45. And it, it affected them like almost all of their life. People think it's like something that happened. Well, that's really back in the day. We don't really deal with that, you know. There's, there's darker skinned women being praised on Instagram and social media. We have, you know, Viola Davis and um, Naomi Campbell. We have darker skin representation, but we don't have it on the same level as fair skins. And we still are going, so kind of putting highlight on that and really normalizing the conversation is what I really chose with colorism. Okay. Um, I think I would, I, would, I would like to, you know, talk about body image, considering where I'm coming from. I'm a Nigerian. And um, the way people see body image, they, for a long time now, they, there's a... A bad image, a bad eye people look at people of a certain body type. You know, I was discussing with 
Jessica in our last meeting, and I said that only up until recently, we started having clothes sizes for women who are on the plus size. You know, before, like five, ten years ago, if a woman was obese, she would get body shamed. She wouldn't be able to, you know, move around freely because people would begin to call her names. They call in Nigeria, if you're, if you're plus size, they call you Orobo, meaning fat. But most people do not like, do not like those terms. Most people do not like those languages. But because over time, society has come up with those terms because it actually starts from one person. One person started that term and one person told one person and it grew until it became a stigma against a particular set of people. So if you are on the plus size, and it's not just for the plus size women, if you're on the plus size, and then if you're on the extremely slim side also, there's that stigma there. So the only people who are safe are those in between. Now, where I come from, I'm from a Kwaibom state in Nigeria. Um, long ago, young girls who people perceived to be of marriageable age would be put in a fattening room. Now, what happens in the fattening room? The ladies are always fed like throughout the day. They're always pumped with food so that they can add weight because in their minds, if you are not big, if you do not have, you know, body size, no one is going to come and ask for your hand in marriage. So at that time, it was an issue for, I won't say skinny women to get married, but that was how they were referred to at that point in time. So now it's not really an issue because, you know, civilization has come, people are becoming more enlightened. And now it has kind of shifted from the skinny women to the plus size women. Up until recently, the microscope has also moved from the plus size women because everyone's beginning to accept them. Designers are creating dresses to, you know, accommodate the skinny woman, the average sized woman, and also the, the plus size woman. And I think it's something that we need to, you know, talk about as, as, as black people. And I, I don't think it's something that it only affects the black woman. It also affects men as well. You know, people need to be proud of how they look. People need to be proud of who they are because it begins to affect them on the long run when they go to this place and they're told, oh, I'm sorry, we do not have your clothes size. Oh, I'm sorry, we only have this dress in probably size eight. I mean, while the person is a size four, so the person begins to put in extra work to either burn the fat or actually put on the fat. So we need to, you know, educate people that irrespective of their body size, there is actually a place for them in society. And if these conversations, as Brenda rightly said, if these conversations are talked about frequently, people begin to see them in a new light and I think would, would be better from there on. I think it's really interesting, um, and thank you for sharing that um, and enlightening us. I think it's really interesting how, you know, we like to think that, you know, the way that we think is unique to us, um, but just hearing you speak, 
it's so profound how the same issues show up the same and we are hundreds of thousands of miles apart right now you know right right yeah. now it's what four o'clock five o'clock where you are and it's morning yeah um yeah. you talk about body image the issues look the same for us as americans as as african americans here um you know on one end when you have people that are plus size there are these certain ideas that we have about them that they're lazy that they overeat or yeah. you know whatever the case may be and the same the same exists for the other end of the spectrum for smaller people. Um, and one thing that you mentioned is, you know, the people right in the middle are the ones who are safe. And I think that is really the part that our film speaks to. Um, it's just the idea itself that the people in the middle are the ones that are safe. Um, yeah. When we're talking about body image, we're talking about how it affects all people, um, no matter how skinny, no matter how large, even the people that fall in between, um, just the way that society has been set up, just the way that, you know, we criticize each other, all of these standards that we have and all of these, you know, negative connotations that we place on being plus size or too skinny, all of these things add to our psyche. Um, and it's a big part of why it's so important to talk about these things you know a, a very small person can still be very insecure about their body or take offense to things that people may say the same way a person who was plus size is and so I think that one of the things that you mentioned that we all need to get back to is this place of acceptance um, yeah. first the self-acceptance being able to accept ourselves and then being able to normalize the conversation um, to the point where we can communicate with our counterparts you know what's appropriate to say or what's not appropriate um, and even start to break down some of these ideas that we have about people who are plus size or who are smaller. Um, I'm, I can't speak to what it looks like there, but for here in America, you know, depending on where you are, you know, certain areas are underprivileged and you don't have access to the same quality of foods. You don't have yeah. healthier options. And so the, there are so many things that can add to being plus size or obese or um, being malnourished nourished you know same thing being malnourished and so as as people we often judge first and don't take those different factors into account but that is definitely what we're aiming to do with this project is to normalize those things another thing oh no you can continue <laughs> another thing is um we didn't really discuss this much in our film but another play part that plays into body image is like the play on like short and tall. Like, I don't know if you have noticed, if you all have noticed, but like in American like culture, you know, we've like welcomed Meg the Stallion, but literally her name is Meg the Stallion because she's emphasizing like taller women. You get what I'm saying? And like yeah. for a while, it was like, you know, you wanted someone like a woman who was like shorter than you or like you know what, like you know what I mean like shorter women you shouldn't be too tall like you're a horse or like they call you like trees and like all that stuff like I love the climb you know what I mean like we really didn't hit on that subject but I think that it's essential to like bring that up in body image too because that plays a huge part into like how a person views themselves like I'm pretty short I've been short my entire life and it used to annoy me seriously when people would like 
always say, oh my goodness, you're so short. You know what I mean? Because just like, I mean, of course, like I know this, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and like, <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes people will say like, yeah. you know, you're proportionate and like just random things. You would be so surprised how like, you get criticized on the way you look, like the way your body is just, you know, naturally. And another point to what you said that was very interesting and I, why I think that film is, and TV is so important is because I recently started watching this show called Bridgerton and some of the same like aspects as far as like being skinnier or being bigger or like, you know what I mean? Like all these different things, short and tall or like, you know, all this different stuff was like into play and for all the girls to get married. And so it just was interesting how you brought that up. It's like your own experience. But what happens is, is with film is like, it makes the world smaller because as we address the issues that are going on in our own cultures, we're able to address the issues that are going on in other cultures because we can relate to them. We can see them, we can understand them and they're communicated in the way that we understand, you know what I mean? By artists and writers like ourselves, who have taken the notion to like not only be a part of what they experience, but to actually share the stories of what they experience too. You know what I mean? So like, um, it's just interesting. That's a quote. Can I say that? Cause she's saying (laughs) it makes the world smaller. And I really feel like as a creative, whatever your medium is, whether it's podcast, radio, photography, you paint, whatever it is, you really have the ability to communicate, to artistic communicate um, convert, like a message. I said that yeah. weird. But like, and not only that, you have a chance to leave an impact. Because there's so many times where um, you can watch a movie, and it's the 50th time you watch a movie, and every single time it can make you cry when it gets to that point. Because there's humans and people writing these stories that um, that we experience. That's why it's so relatable. And I feel like we need to get back to writing those stories that can have you tear up or that can make you think about that one situation that you keep ignoring. So, so yeah, I just, I love that she said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the thing is, we, we, have, we haven't talked about school. We haven't talked about um, competition and codependency. So Sydney, I was thinking you would pick one of these two. So yes, I would definitely pick codependency. I am the codependency queen. Welcome, welcome. Come on, come on. It's like, no, I'm kidding. I'm not codependency queen, but I am the advocate. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. but yeah, this one is really near and dear to me because to be honest, I had no idea that I was codependent until honestly I wouldn't say writing this film it was really like right before it but that's like another reason why I think art is so amazing because like it has a good timing like you know the famous industry question is why now and I'm gonna tell you why now <laughs> this film and why now because um codependency is basically something that we can all experience without knowing we're experiencing it and what happens is is like there's so many different factors that can go into being codependent on something. Literally being dependent on an idea to like keep yourself going, a person, a situation, and um, like a validation. All of those different things can make you codependent or can be, not even make you codependent, but can be how you're codependent, if that makes sense. For example, um, 
like in a relationship it can often show show up in a relationship most times people say like that that's the main time that it shows up um you're like codependent on like a person that you're with or like that you're dating you know you start to dress like them walk like them and doing things like that are specifically for them a key indicator that you're being codependent is when you're afraid to say no but whatever you're saying no to you need to say no to to benefit you but it does not benefit the other person so at that point you are basically um assuming their feelings and their situation over yours a big thing that like i've learned is just that um keeping in mind that like you're not responsible for anyone else's happiness but your own and if you move like that you oftentimes won't be codependent because you are more reliant on your happiness and making sure that you are happy and not necessarily assuming other people's situations for your own. Codependency is so big and so many layers that like, um, I don't even know if I'm explaining it in a way that it communicates to you. You know what I mean? Because it's like, it's just like, you know, very late. Yes, exactly. It's really hard to identify. It's one of those things that you can slip into so easily and not even know. And it doesn't show up like colorism or competition. Those things are blatant. You know, when someone is being competitive or when someone is, you know, throwing shade or just saying things like it's, it's really easy to define those things. But um, codependency is one of those things that it feels good. You know, a lot of the times it shows up (laughs) as a feeling that feels good until it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it it masks itself that way for a long time. And a lot of times we attach our identity to someone else's. And because we haven't found our own, we find comfort in that. And so it's not usually until something happens, um, whether you lose that relationship. For me, it was losing the job to realize like, wait a minute, I'm codependent on this job. I've needed this job to make me feel whatever, like a person whole, like, I, you know, I have meaning versus being confident or comfortable with who I am and what I was bringing to the table without this institution, you know. Another way that it can show up too is like in the main way, usually like where it starts, unfortunately, is like with your parents. So like a lot of times, you know, your parents would be like, oh, you got to go to this school. You got to graduate at this point in time and you got to do X, Y, and Z. If you become so wrapped up in the idea of what they think of you, you are codependent on how they validate you. Like that is a sign of valid, like a sign of codependency. Because at that point, you're not living your life for anyone else, but your own. I mean, but then like you're, I mean, ah, you're living your life with someone else and not you. <laughs> because what I was going to yeah. say is like, even in the word codependency, like literally living your life dependent on someone else, like someone else, you know what I mean? Like, instead yeah. of being independent, you're codependent. Like you literally are making all of these cooperative decisions on one life. Does that make sense? Like when it's not a cooperative cooperation, like this is like me, <laughs> this is your steering wheel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and like another way too is like parents and like, say if someone like you're one of your parents, like constantly says like, you're mean or you're mean, you're mean, you're mean. And you like assume that about yourself as well. Like codependent on the ideas that they think of you, not necessarily your own ideas. So like, 
yeah it's it's layered yeah yeah <laughs> i think another thing another thing that codependency does to an individual is it makes you first of all it makes you rely on other people yes. on other people's opinions one and then that the time comes where those people are not readily available for you probably the person passed or you're in, a, in a different city from where they are and you can't physically meet with them and you need to make certain decisions that should affect your life positively. And because this person you're so dependent on isn't available for you, you seem lost. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, if you look deep in on the inside of you, you will realize that, okay, I can actually make certain decisions without XYZ persons being available. And that actually and that's the second thing that codependency does it makes you lose your self-esteem it makes you think so less of yourself it makes you underestimate who you really are you and you do not um on the long run you do not live up to your full potential because you're like okay for me to make this decision i'll need this person and like you said some young people depend on their parents so you know choose their career paths for them and it's very dominant in Nigeria, you know, parents be like, okay, you have to be a doctor, you have to be a lawyer, you have to be an engineer, if not, nothing else. And then I think it's two ways because in these situations, most times the children are left with little or no options because first of all, they are being told that you can't counter what your your, the decisions of your parents. So they're like, okay, I just have to, you know, please my mom, I just have to please my dad. But I think if, if there's a common ground between both parties, you make them see reasons why you wouldn't you know, perform effectively in this career path that they're choosing for you or in this decision they're trying to make, they're trying to force on you and try to make them say that, okay, if I take this other route, if I do it this other way, I would have results. Not like taking their part isn't going to give you results, but taking this part that you think is for you would, would give you a more positive impact. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So realize the fact that you as an individual can make certain decisions on your own and make those decisions because believe me, times will come where the person you're depending on wouldn't be there. Yeah. 100%. I want to speak on that because what you said is true. It's not easy. Sometimes it's, uh, it's very easy to say, well, like, well, you know, you're being codependent, so just stop or something like that. And it's really not because yeah. some people don't see any other options because of me being a student. I'm seeing this constantly. People are in majors because um, of what their parents think they should major in or because it's a career field that their parents was in or they think their parents will be good for them. And, you know, it's easy for somebody to say, well, just switch your major. Well, it was like, they don't, it's not just about them. It's about, they don't know what they will switch their major. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's fear. And I know I don't want to do what my parents say, but I honestly don't know anything else. So I'm just going to stay here. And that can just apply in a relationship as well. I don't know myself outside of this individual and I'm too scared to find out. 
and I don't know how to find out. So I'm just going to stay here. So that I feel like that happens in a lot of codependent cases because, you know, like Sydney said, it's layered. It's a bunch of different situations that can come in. But I think the main thing to take away from that is like, it's okay to have a little fear. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Uncomfortability comes with life. Sometimes you have to step out in order, because you do know one thing, you know you don't like what you're doing. You know you, know you don't like what you're doing. <laughs> that you know one thing, so you don't know nothing. So change off of that. But I just, I like that you pointed that out, because it is fear involved. One last point, just literally right. minor, I promise y'all. <laughs> Is the, a big one that we're like all codependent on, like at to some point, is like society's view of us, like where we stand in society and like where what the media perceives us to be and like all that good jazz. Those things also, you can also like, there are some people who are also codependent on social media, and a lot like, and a lot of us kind of like wash that one to the the wayside because it's like something we all kind of participate in you know or maybe you don't participate in that's fine but at the same time it's taking over so many young people's like lives and their perceptions of themselves and who they have to be um something big that I always like think of to like like as my quote for my codependence habits is that I do not have to be blank to be period does that make sense like I don't have to fit into any of these boxes I don't have to hit fill any of these laws or any of the expectations that anyone else puts on me to just be like you know what I mean because that's the ultimate thing is just like to be for myself and for no one else so if anyone else is struggling with codependency that'll help yeah yeah um and the last one competition I think I should just you know start from there uh, a whole lot of times, a whole lot of times, we've seen people, you know, compete in career, in um, academics, in, in, in small groups, in um, wherever they find themselves, in community. Because, and basic personally for me, I think these issues, are right, starts from the mind. Because if you actually know um, the stuff you're capable of, you wouldn't see another person as competition. I, 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 said, I wrote something down one day. I said, the sky is wide enough for every bird to fly. The ocean is deep enough for every fish to swim. And the world is big enough for each and every one of us to carry out our own unique acts. So if we realize that these things that we do do not in any way clash with what another person is doing or what other people are doing does not in any way clash what we're doing, even though it seems to be in the same field. I realize that, okay, I as an individual, I am unique. I have my own strengths. There are certain things that I can do that Mr. B cannot do. There are certain things that, okay, I can just wake up from the sleep and begin to carry out effortlessly and capitalize on those things and realize that, okay, as a person, that is my strength. That is something that, you know, I can do with my eyes closed. We would have less of competition in, in the workplace. We'll have less of competition in, in schools because you as a person, you know what you can do. Mr. A knows what he can do. Trisha knows what she can do. And each and every one of us knows 
our strength and we walk in those strengths. But what, what I've seen or what I've found out is that we all want to imitate another person. So if someone is walking in a straight line, we also want to walk in that straight line, irrespective of if it's going to give us the same positive results that it has already given the person ahead of us. We do not want to take the time out to um, create a niche for ourselves. We do not want to take the time out to come up with something unique that people would recognize as ours. We just want to, you know, like Sydney said, go on social media and just grab something. And once you grab something from social media, it's not wrong, but once you grab something from social media, you begin to uh, act based on what you've grabbed. And it gets to a stage where, because it's not your own original idea, you run out of things to actually grab and you'll be left with nothing. And then you think everyone is actually competing with you. Meanwhile, you are not even in the game because you are not unique. And I think if each and every one of us can be unique in our own different ways, we can eliminate competition. I agree. like what you just said. When you, <laughs> when you say you think it's a competition, but you're not even in the game. <laughs> yeah. I like, that. I like that. That's a really good quote. Um, what I wanted to add to that real quick is I think with competition, I think a big part of it is natural. I think it's inherent for us to be competitive. And I think that just yeah. has a lot to do with our nature. Um, you know, we, we have to survive, right? So a part of survival is competition. But I think the biggest part of it that our film talks about in a, round, in a roundabout way is um, just how systemic oppression has really exacerbated competition with Black wow. people, and especially Black women. Um, yeah. I think when it comes to competition, you know, like you said, if, if you have something viable and you're confident in that, you should be able to own that without feeling threatened by the next person. Um, yeah. But when you live in a world like America, um, and you're always, you know, you're constantly dealing with this construct of racism, th these constructs of colorism. These are things that were specifically formulated. These were calculated plans that were drawn out to keep us divided, to create this competition. And I think that's what we have been up against for generations and i think that's one of the reasons why this film is so important it's so important for us to talk about it right now because we're in this huge space where you know the entire world not just america but the entire world is transitioning and so this is a time for us to be able to release that you know we're we're acknowledging and normalizing these conversations so that we can shed light on these constructs that have kept us in the dark for so long yeah. yeah, I do think it's in our nature to be competitive because of those, like, um, installed constructs. But the difference is um, you have to recognize if you're having a negative or a toxic reaction to it. If it's causing you to put down the next individual, to even degrade yourself because you feel like you're not where you're not at where the next individual is at. And like you said, we're all unique and your story is your story. It's not supposed to look like, like my journey is not supposed to look like Sydney because I'm not Sydney. 
So really right. understanding that um, your path and your way of life is custom and made for you. And not only understanding that, but being okay with that, you know? So I hope, and I feel like that's what our film is highlighting on is that being okay with who you are as a person, where you're at, and not having that lead you to comparing yourself and competing with um, individuals that surround you. I feel like the biggest thing too is like what Jessica said, like in combination with what Jessica and Brenda said, because like it's kind of like the crab in the barrel mindset that we've like just kind of kept going, like that there's only one spot, but that's like the illusion, right? Because that's not true. Because if you sit down and you decide, hey, this seat, this, this, I mean, sorry, this seat, y'all, I cannot talk today. This seat that I'm in is actually filling 10 more slots. You can move like that. You know what I mean? And like, I think that what happens is, is like, we think that we have to be like haters on people so that we can like, you know, just like hate on them rather than being like hey so how how did you get here because like I need help you know what I mean because obviously you might be three steps ahead because you may have learned something and what people like the illusion also is that like oh you get up here alone no every single time that you take a step you meet someone along the way who will help you down the line you know what I mean so it's just like that's why you never burn bad bridges because you never know when you may have to cross back over that path you know so like I think that like normalizing the, comp the conversation about competition in general is so essential because it's okay to compete in a healthy way. Like Brenda said, it's okay. Sometimes you may need a little com competition to push you, but don't let the competition like taint how you think of yourself or like how you view where you stand because know that there's not only just one spot for these people, like I me, mean, for whatever you're trying to do, you know what I mean? And you also create your own spot. You can divine your own lane. That's why trailblazing is a thing, you know what I mean? So like anyone, little kids, while listening to this, just know that you do not have to compete to compare. Mm -hmm. And then what she said with one spot, because I seen a tweet, um, I about said the other day, it was a while ago, but it was like, it, it was saying, what if somebody told Rihanna, well, there's a bunch of people that have makeup lines. She, Fenty Beauty wouldn't have happened. Um, so, or lingerie. What if they would have been like, it's already a Victoria's Secret. Why would it be? What if somebody would have told Tyler Perry, hey, it's already Oprah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not one spot. Yeah. Oh man, you guys, you've been dropping some deep, deep thoughts on this particular question. I really, really appreciate that. Um, moving, from, moving from the serious stuff to the not so serious stuff, how's production going? What, what stage of production is Naked on right now? So we currently are getting ready to launch our Indiegogo campaign. It will be going live on January 25th. If you guys okay. like what we said, or if you just see vision in our story, please donate a dollar, five dollars, four dollars. It is okay. Uh, we have a goal of raising seven thousand dollars to really probably give the um the justice uh, that this film needs. Mm. And yes, we will be doing in May. And we have our casting calls coming up in late February and March. And that's kind of like the timeline that we have right now. But yes, uh, but the biggest thing is raising this money and getting the necessary funds to give the justice to this short film. Okay. 
Um, in the description below, I would be, you know, dropping the social media handle for the film so, you know, people could always follow up progress on the film, even up to a point where it finally premieres. Yeah, that would be, that would, that would be there in the description. Um, Jessica, Brenda, Sydney, I would like to thank you all for reaching out to me, first of all, and for making time out to discuss your short film. It really was a an insightful conversation. Trust me, I learned a lot. Like, Sydney was, at some point, Sydney was, you know, dropping some bits on, like, <gasps> be preaching for like that's, no, how, like, like, yeah, that's how our writing okay. sessions go like it's so like, much I like, fun i was like wow like deep stuff were actually hitting me and trust me i learned a lot of things and i think this this short film isn't just going to be isn't just going to resonate well with the average woman but it's going to cross across it's going to cut across genders you know both for the male and the female everyone is going to you know pick something at least a lesson or two from it and say okay this thing i've actually experienced this i've actually learned something i'm going to change how i perceive these issues and try to make the world a better place thank you i i really really appreciate the time that we spent on this episode thank you for reaching out again once again thank you very much and um till we see again or till you hear from us again <laughs> people remember remember to always let things off your chest i would be dropping a link to the social media handle for this project so you could always um follow up progress and send a dm of word of encouragement to them they will need it you could actually also send a couple of dollars then you would need it also we and do <laughs> <laughs> yes daniel thank you so much for having us this has been yeah. like said, a very enlightening conversation um yeah. it's been a conversation i think everybody will enjoy listening to so definitely we want all of our followers all of your followers to check us yeah. out on social media make sure you're following us we have a lot of interactive things that we're doing on our social media pages so if you you know ever want to drop your input there's so many opportunities for that and we would love to connect with more people so you guys make sure you are following us on instagram Yes, thank you again, Daniel. It was such a nice time connecting with you. Cannot wait to see what like you do in the future as well. Um, and also, thank you for sharing your gems too. Like, I think it was amazing for you to share your story and like how your story aligned with our story. We appreciate that so, so much. Yes, I think it was a very insightful. Yes. Yeah. So, to you hear from me again, beautiful people. Bye. 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 Yeah. Bye. Yeah.